You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello, everyone. As always, I'm so excited. We're actually recording on location this week. We took a field trip. So Dara, do you want to share with everyone where we are? Yes, so I'm returning for the second time. And Emily, you've been here maybe one or two extra times. Yeah. Um, The first time we were here at the Tilton Mansion and the University and Whist Club was before we'd even started the podcast, we came for the Chopped Challenge. Um, which was uh, a few local chefs who were kind of set up like they were on the like the what, the chopped chopped chopped. So they were show. given a series of secret ingredients, mm-hmm. um, and then they had to premiere, prepare a plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were a few different options. Um, Gretchen uh, Cyani from Delacour Cafe was competing, as well as the chef from University and West and one other local chef. Um, so we came, obviously, you know, everyone knows we've been friends with her for a number of years, so we came to support her, but it was a really great event raising money for the flower market a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So now we're back. We're here with Danielle Boucher-Friedman. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. Thank you for having me. And for listeners, I don't think we've had an episode since this article came out that I haven't found a way to talk <laughs> about it on the podcast. Um, so for those of you who read our Delaware Today article that came out in May, Danielle was actually the writer and has since made a career job change and is now working in uh, marketing, social media, etc. for um, the Tilton Mansion and University and West Club. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So the tables have turned a little bit, uh, <laughs> not to freak you out, uh, but we're just, we're hoping uh, that you could tell us a little bit about University West Club and the mansion. Um, and then because you're such a great communicator yourself, we'll, we'll just chat about what we've been up to and um, some local news as well. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your role and is there... Do you have a favorite connection to the University and West Club and Tilton Mansion? There's a lot of history here. Why is it meaningful to you? It's it's tough. I mean, first of all, I'm used to the one doing the interviewing, um, so it's it still makes me a little nervous to have people ask me questions, so bear with me. Um, so a lot of people don't really know this place exists. What I like about it is that it's sort of like a hidden gem. Um, when I tell people that I work here, they're like, where is that? I've never heard of it. And then you sort of start talking about it. They're like, oh, I think I've been there for a wedding or something. And so when people come on the property, they just sort of can't get over uh, the beauty and the history. Um, it's just really such a beautiful building. It was um, built in 1802. Uh, the original owner was this guy, Dr. James Tilton. Um, who's done so many incredible things. Uh, first, uh, I think, president of the Medical Society of Delaware. He was in uh, the Army, the Revolutionary War. Um, he's just done all these amazing things, and a lot of people just don't know that about him. So um, we do history tours here, and people come and sign up, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll just get a little tour of this, of this building, but then they learn all this history about this guy, and they're like, wow, I had no idea this guy. Uh, has done all these amazing things so that's it's kind of nice that we can sort of educate people about the building and the history and everything um, of all the first sort of that he's done here so I kind of like that sort of um, people coming in here expecting one thing and sort of getting a whole another thing out of it that's sort of what I like yeah so you and um, Stacey Inglis uh, who also works in the communications and marketing here um, you were nice enough to send us a few history articles about Dr. Tilton and I learned a few fun facts myself Yes, and I, you're so good because you read the article, but I did not read them. <laughs> you read my notes. Um, I did read your notes, but I did have a leg up, though, because I attended one of the history tours yes, Danielle talked about. So um, earlier in the summer, Stacy and Danielle invited us. Um, Dara was not available to come and do the history tour and have dinner. The food was delicious, and the tour was great. Um, and so we actually recapped that in a highlights post on the blog. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So you can go to DellaDarling.com, look up Tilton Mansion. We have a whole article on sort of like what it was like. I talked about the food, the menu, everything. Um, and so you can reach out to us if you're interested in doing a tour or of course, Danielle, and we'll make sure to include all of her, um, Tilton Mansion 
contact info in the episode notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're here today, um, obviously, for an interview. Later on, we're going to talk with Brian, the bartender here. Um, but if, if you're not doing a podcast at the University of West Club, um, why might you come? That's another thing I think people sort of have, um, they don't really know everything that this place offers. So yes, it's a private dining club. Uh, Nine times out of 10, you do have to be a member to come here and eat, but um, we have tons of events that are open to non-members. Next Saturday, we're having our first annual Oktoberfest event um, at our newly renovated carriage house. So we're gonna have a authentic German band playing. I think we're gonna have five or six different beers, uh, Riesling, um, brats, um, pretzels. I mean, it's just going to be a real live Oktoberfest on the property. So, and that um, will be Saturday, October 5th, October 5th and yeah. open to the public. Open to the public, five bucks to get in, and then you sort of pay as you go, depending on what you want to eat and drink. Um, we also do this thing called Arts and Appetizers. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we had uh, the Sanderson Museum from Chad's Ford come in and bring in some Wyeth um, artwork and talk about, you know, what they have at their museum. And then um, in about a week or so, we have um, City Theater Company come in and they're going to do Fearless Improv. Oh, cool. So um, that's also open to the public, $20. We have free appetizers and then it's a cash bar. So it's just, we're trying to connect with the arts here in Wilmington and, you know, over the line as well so that something that our members can also enjoy, but also the public. So, and obviously weddings is um, something that we do here. Our packages are amazing. I mean, all inclusive, the stuff that we include. I mean, it's incredible. Um, rehearsal dinners, birthday parties. I mean, it's, it, we do everything. So um, you don't have to be a member to do those things here either. So that's something that I think a lot of people don't know. Great, so. Now we know a lot about University and Whisk Club, what you guys offer. Um, like I said, the food is really delicious. So if you do have the chance to attend for an event and have food or come with a member or become a member, I volunteer to come as your guest. <laughs> um, but I do want to highlight a couple of the history items about Dr. Tilton, more so than the mansion. The mansion is very interesting um, and it has a beautiful tower that you can go up under supervision um, and take photos and so I will make sure to post the photo as well but it's also in that Tilton Mansion post I mentioned earlier where I was actually able to do a panoramic and sort of see the entire city of Wilmington. It really is one of the best views of the city especially as you know the sun is going down. Um, Couples that you know get on their wedding day I mean they get some of the best pictures they really are beautiful. Yeah so um, and I think we're basically at about the highest point Mm -hmm. in Wilmington Mm -hmm. um, right here on top of the hill as all good mansions are Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is really cool but Dr. Tilton um, I guess I would say he's a little eccentric Mm -hmm. he definitely has some oddities about himself (laughs) my favorite fact I learned about him during my tour here was that he was a member of US Congress. Mm -hmm. He was elected for the state of Delaware to represent the state. Um, And when his term was up, he felt he was not done his work. So he just kept going every day. Like he would go back to DC and he would just go when they were in session. And they eventually had to make a law banning Dr. James Tilton of Wilmington, Delaware from coming to Congress. That's true. Yeah, he was very stubborn. He's very stubborn. Yeah, he just is like, you know what? I'm just going to keep coming. And they're like, well, no, you're not. He's like, well, yes, I am. Right. That's actually not how terms work. (laughs) Um, So I just found that to be so great. And then you brought up another sort of interesting tidbit about him that I had forgotten from the tour, but I was grotesquely reminded of. (laughs) Oh, uh, was it the fact that he cut off his own leg? Yes. Yes. And they did not make a James Franco documentary about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, do- not. Style movie well, he was a doctor. It. We should say he that he was. amputated yes. his own leg. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, he Out did. Out of necessity. Um, and I believe uh, he, um, if so, he then was pushed around sort of in like a makeshift rocking chair that he made. For, it was almost like a. Um, wheelchair slash so an inventor as well exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so Mm -hmm. that's sort of how he got around no um not not anesthesia yeah um no numbing or anything i think he just you know he just had to cut off his own leg exactly um yeah and you 
we can't quite get to the table where he did it. Right. It still exists. It's down in the basement of the of the property. Yeah. So if you ever Which wanted to think creepy. of a place that's creepy <laughs> and probably haunted, that's Tilton like creepy. Mansion, Tilton Mansion meets that need for sure. Well, so I was impressed by him because now we're talking about him uh, amputating his own leg. But I was impressed learning about him as a, a doctor in the field um, during the Revolutionary War because uh, he he pointed out that there was overcrowding in the hospital facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Danielle, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, he identified that when you had soldiers who were wounded, like had war wounds, versus those who were infected with things like yellow, I think it was yellow fever was the big issue. If you had them in the same hospital room and you would be moving the yellow fever bandages, et cetera, from those patients to the wounded patients, he figured out that we were transferring disease. Yeah, he was, his efforts in the, in improving hospital conditions and sanitation were huge. Um, People, yeah, were just cross-contaminating everything and no one really understood you know what was going on and he sort of figured it figured it out and, and he really improved everything in that capacity yeah so this was during the revolutionary war and you actually have like sort of the blueprints mm-hmm, he drafted mm-hmm. of the first real like hospital mm-hmm. where they actually had separated spaces yep. including separate entrances mm-hmm. for those who were infected with yep. illness versus those who were wounded it seems you know like common sense now but i guess back then no one really understood that fact but he you know toured it and was like this is really this is bad and this is why people keep getting sick and dying and and he yeah he was huge in that fact mm-hmm. and so huge that when he became the first president of the medical society of delaware he um he was excited to share this news with his good friend george washington mm-hmm. yep. yep but yes, he had to pals. write a letter because he, he couldn't tweet it at him. <laughs> exactly <Yeah>. so <laughs> he had he had to use the pony express um <laughs> to deliver that Nonetheless, he was friends with him, which is pretty cool. But he was friends with George Washington, and I believe at one point he he suggested the Tilton Mansion as the home of the White House and the capital of the United States being here in Wilmington. He thought this was just the most beautiful place, high on a hill, centrally located. He did. I think, but George Washington turned him down, so. (laughs) Well... There were two issues. The people of Virginia were numerous compared to everyone else. Right, right. Um, and George Washington wanted to be near his home. Right. He wanted to basically be in Mount Vernon right. and still be near mm-hmm. the capital. So, um, totally get it. I don't like to leave the city limits. I make that <laughs> joke all the time. It's not true. I will leave. I left today. Um, but yeah, so he definitely was kind of this eccentric doctor, um, but he really was innovative and has left a huge impact on the city of Wilmington, the state of Delaware, the United States. Which a lot of people don't history. know, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why I think it's fun to do these these history tours and just almost to watch people's reactions, you know, just when they're learning this information. They're like, huh, I didn't realize that. Oh my God. Uh, you know, even just the park down the street they're like oh my god that's named after him you know they almost just they don't understand the, they can't realize like the two are connected mm-hmm. so that's even that's just funny um and he is a true delawarean he was from the dover area yes. originally so for everybody um any downstate listeners we have we try to make sure we tie in as much as we can to other counties and places and he was from dover um and and sort of like most in the time moved to Wilmington for like professional um, reasons. But so at the time um, he, yeah, he was born in Kent County but that part was still one of the three lower counties of Pennsylvania. Right, right. Well, until, I mean, until we had our separation day. Right, right. Um, which was before the Declaration of Independence, but still was only in 1775. Right, okay, right. Um, that was when we separated. So, yes, at the time, he was a Pennsylvanian. Right. As, as were we all. Right. <laughs> so, but Dan- so you, Danielle, actually are a Pennsylvanian. So this, <laughs> I, I was actually born in Long Island, but I grew up in Pittsburgh. Okay. And this is sort of, I was telling you before we came on air, um, I've been having so many issues getting my birth certificate for my wedding, oh. um, getting it from New York. Like just basic time, it takes about three months to get it. And I've been rushing it. I paid extra and I've, it's been at least six weeks and I still don't have it. And your wedding is coming up. It's two, three weeks. Yeah. And 
to get married in Jamaica, you need to have all your paperwork in, you know, two months in advance, and I'm just like in a panic. And so I'm thinking I need to like drive up there to get it, and it's like Albany you have to go get. It's just, yeah, it's no fun. So, um, yeah. And for those who are starting to hear some background noise, we are recording on location at the Tilton Mansion, and a number of members have just arrived for a little Friday afternoon happy hour in the bar. So you are now a Delawarean. Yeah, I actually do consider myself do a Delawarean. Yeah, I do. Okay. What, um, like, what are your favorite parts about living in Delaware? Is there anything you've done recently? We like to, to catch up about some of the... What we've been up to lately. What we've been up to. Honestly, what I love the most about living in Delaware is its proximity to the beach. I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh and there is, there's Not no beach. beach. There's yeah. nothing. Um, growing up, we used to go to you know Florida or South Carolina, and that was you know always getting on a plane. And the fact that I can get in a car and be in a beach, you know, in an hour and a half, two hours, and spend the weekend, and it's it's not a big commitment. Um, I, I mean, I love that, and they have great restaurants, great bars. Um, that to me is just, I mean, you really can't, you don't get that everywhere. Um, so I love that, and obviously being tax free. I, I love that. Um, honestly, <laughs> we love it too. Sales just, tax free is I mean, a big deal. I mean, those are, it seems simple, but I mean, it's, it is really great. Um, so, I don't know, those are the things I, I really do love most about Delaware. So, and I honestly am starting to become more of a Delawarean because I used to complain about it with my fiance because I would say to him, like, oh, let's go to Newark or something, and he'd be like, oh, it's so far. <laughs> and I would say, are you kidding? I'm like, come on, let's go. And now he'll say, we live in, like, North Wilmington, and I'll say, oh, let's go to Trolley or something, and he's like, oh, that's so far. And I, now I'm the same way. I'm like, we're not going. We're just going to stay, like, on 202. Like, that's, like, our territory now. Yeah. And I'm becoming the same way, so. Oh, no, it definitely, you can transition very, very quickly. Um so that brings me to a couple of things we've had going on. Everyone knows I don't like to leave the city, um, which is a joke that I make because I leave it all the time, but I'm very dramatic about it when I do. Um, and so two of my favorite places in the city that I went to in the past week, um, one, I got my oil changed at Campanella's, which is right at 28th and Miller Road, so mm -hmm. right near where Broom and Concord oh, yeah. Hike intersect. Uh -huh. um, and they moved locations, so they have one location in Pike Creek, and they had one that was over on Augustine Cutoff, yep. and they recently yep. closed that up and moved over. Um, so they have, in both locations, walking distance to my house, which is great. So I went in for an oil change, and they just upgraded their little customer notification system. So now, when they do your oil change, they do their 31-point inspection, where they check your engine coolant and... These could be made up things, by the way, everyone. Probably. <laughs> um, but they check that your windshield wipers are, you know, working and functional. So they do all of these checks on your tires and whatever. And they will let you know if it's in green, good condition, no maintenance necessary. Yellow, it's fine for now. But next time you come in, we're going to need to do something. Or red, dire, we need to do something now. <laughs> Um, and I loved that I got a text with a little link, could click it, and very visually they had pictures of every single thing. So you could even say like, oh, this part needs to be cleaned next time you're here. You can see how dirty it is. It was pictures of your car. Pictures of my car they had taken that day. And they're able to actually pull that up in their system, look at what they saw when I was there at 10,000 miles versus 15, and make a determination of whether that's normal wear and tear or something out of the ordinary. And so I am just like, Loving that. They're local. They do shuttle service if you need to be dropped off at work or That's picked nice. up. All that kind of stuff. So nice. I think they're really just like honest and good mechanics. So definitely recommend Campanella's. They're my fave mechanic. Um, and then I also went to Theater N to see Where'd You Go Bernadette. Oh. And I, I think it's a book, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. It came out probably 10 years ago. I would say. Yeah. Was it on our librarian episode that we talked about how they, there's like a small shout out to Delaware in the book? I don't know if we talked about it in the episode, but we did post about it. So in the book, um, they actually send off notes for handwriting analysis to the experts in Delaware. Um, I don't think that we really have the foremost authority on handwriting analysis in Delaware, but I could be wrong and just not know about it. So if you know about that person, let us know. We'll have them on the podcast. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
But something people don't know is that Theater N is our only art house cinema in Wilmington. They do have concessions. You can go and get popcorn, sodas, beer, Dippin' Dots, whatever. Not Dippin' Dots, just regular Dots, my favorite movie candy. Um, <laughs> and so they do show a lot of documentaries, um, but they will also show current films. Like I went and saw A Star is Born. So after it was sort of out of most theaters, they were running it. Um, and then this weekend I saw Where'd You Go Bernadette. They do Rocky Horror every Saturday night at 11 p.m. And for Halloween, they're doing Heather's the Musical is gonna play. And you also can go there and watch Eagles games. So a lot of people don't know, like That's get a group of friends together, mm -hmm. you all wanna watch together, you can go. Like I said, they have food for purchase and you're in like this movie theater watching the game. So they do a lot of really cool stuff. It's right in downtown Wilmington. Um, in, I think it's the Nemours building, but right there between uh, 10th and 11th. So you were at the cinema. I was at a different sort of theater. I was at the theater theater. Um, I saw Hound of the Bastervilles at Delaware Theater Company, and I actually went on a Wednesday afternoon. My mom and I wanted to go. Um, so this is a, it's a comedic take on um, the famous Sherlock Holmes story, um, where only three actors perform and it's, they're clowns. They they play all the roles. There's obvious cross-dressing and like props moving and stuff like that. Um, and I, I knew that I wanted to see it. My mom wanted to see it too. And I was having kind of a hard time fitting in the schedule. And then um, I was able to, to do a half day and just like to do some work in the morning, escape during the afternoon. Um, so it was uh, me and my mom and a, a bunch of retirees. Yes, it's nice to play hooky um, and feel like you know, you're getting away with something even when it's just you know, paid time off that it's we all have. legitimate vacation time. Yeah, so Danielle, you said that you saw it on a Friday night. I saw it Friday night. Um, I laughed out loud probably more than anyone. <laughs> I just, I loved it. The guy, the three guys doing the show I thought were hysterical. I mean, they did an amazing job playing. I don't even know how many roles they played, all three of them. A lot. A lot. And they just kept going in and out, in and out, changing costumes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought they were hysterical. I mean, it was very slapstick, but I, for a Friday night after a stressful week, it, I thought it was great. And it, it was such, again, like a little hidden gem. A lot of people don't know this theater is there and it's affordable and it's fun and it's two hours. I mean, mm -hmm. it was great. I mean, I, I love Sherlock Holmes. Even if you don't like Sherlock Holmes, if you know nothing about Sherlock Holmes, it was hysterical. I loved it. Yeah. So I actually, I've never read How to the Baskervilles. My mom said that she read it a long time ago and I don't think she re she remembered the mm -hmm. ending. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was still a surprise. Right. Um, <laughs> But I'm one of those people who like movie or play, um, whenever like the whole audience is laughing, I sort of chuckle. Mm -hmm. And then whenever, like, then there will be a moment where I'm the only person mm -hmm. laughing. Like, I think there's one line and it's totally, I. That's how I was. When I, one of my favorite characters, I mean, of course there were only three actors. Um, I really enjoyed the guy playing Dr. Watson. Yes, and did. when he had that little bit where he just went on and on about puzzles. I was like, I was laughing very I felt so well. I felt like I was the only one laughing at some point. I'm like, is there anyone else? I'm I like, was laughing too, yeah. just on a different okay. day. Yeah. So it's great. And I think the last day for the show is it's I closing think, this weekend. Sunday. So if you, yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's hysterical. Yeah, so. but they, um, they have one November Yankee starting in the end of October, but running through November. And um, who's the actor in that? Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin yeah. and um, Stephanie Powers. Yes. Um, so Harry heavy, Hamlin. Yeah, some heavy hitters Harry, in that one. Married to Lisa Rinna. He's yes. married to Lisa Rinner <laughs> of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and she calls him Harry Hamlin. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so he's going to obviously be in Delaware. And it, so she, she might come may or may not too. be Lisa Rinna sightings yeah. possible. I mean, I'm sure she's going to come and support him. I mean, she's always in this area. She does QVC. Yes, oh, so she's always so, flying in and out yeah, of Philly. I mean, and you know, Samantha Hemphill of Samantha Styled, when we asked yeah. which celebrity she would like to dress most, Lisa Rinna was her number one choice. I sort of, I'm, I sort of remember that. Sometimes I'm embarrassed that I forget things that happen on the podcast, but I am surprised I remember because that was back in April. So we'll have to let Samantha know that there may or may not be a Lisa Rinna. I remember all the fashion tips opportunity. They gave us. That's what counts. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's really exciting. They bring in some pretty major um, definitely performers, and I I can't remember if Stephanie Powers has played the role before, but um, 
Harry Hamlin has actually been in the same role um, when he was performing in the show. I think it was in LA. Okay. So that's kind of cool to yeah. be able to see an actor take a show to different, oh, different definitely. theaters. Definitely. Yeah. So what else have we been up to? Should we talk about some news? Well, let's talk about some intern related news. We, you know, we're not joined by the interns today. They stayed home. That has to happen. Um, and since Danielle interviewed us, we actually added an intern to the mix. I oh. have a cat now. Oh, okay. Um, and so what's interesting is, you know, when I moved into my house, the previous owner had had a cat. And so there was a sticker on the window by the door <laughs> to save my cat in case of a fire. And I have not had a cat and have, I really honestly had a struggle, couldn't get it off. So there's been this misleading save my cat <laughs> sign on my house. And so my father is thrilled and posted about it on Facebook that I now can justify having this save in case of fire sign. And I actually, I had a separate one that has like dog, cat, other. And so I had to check the one and one for dog and cat. So they'll know how many of I'm my pets to save. I'm glad they're both represented. So I feel much better that if there is an issue at my house, rescuers will know how many pets they need to save and to look for. So I was thinking about that this week um, when I saw this article come up in the Newark Post. We've talked about the Post before. They're a free weekly um, published in Newark. Um, and, and they're pretty timely online. Very timely So very online. great online source. Um, I mean, good good photography and a nice mix of like news and local interest stories. Um, so I was immediately drawn in by the photo I saw circulating on so social media of a cat receiving some first aid. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, and the news is that Spike the cat is recovering well after a rescue from a Newark apartment fire. Um, and some of the details in the story, I didn't know that... Um, one, I didn't know you could do CPR on a cat, and I didn't know that there are some, um, you know, first responders that actually uh, carry equipment for your pet. Mm -hmm. Did mm -hmm. you know this? Um, not really. You know, our family dog, Uno, was rescued about two year, almost two years ago at this point. He fell into the pond at Carousel through the ice. Um, and he was in the water for, I think, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and he was rescued. And then he rode in an ambulance to the vet. That is, And the photo of You're him. You're kidding. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Big news. It was on ABC News Philadelphia. Oh, my gosh. He's fine. He's That's who he is. He's a real problem. He is a troublemaker. That's he's proud of that terrible. Fact. He's all right. Um, and we feel very grateful that, like, he's okay. My dad did everything you're supposed to do in that situation, but he is just such a ham. And, you know, he rode in an ambulance, but he did not have an oxygen mask or anything. Um, so I didn't know about that. But I'm, I'm happy to know now that that is a thing. Hopefully Uno doesn't end up in one of those situations again. He, he brings these things upon himself. <laughs> Um, but also speaking of rescues, um, I saw another heartwarming story. This one was in, um, I saw it on Delaware Online, um, that there was a kayaker who, thanks to um, the news journal's letter to the editors on the opinion page, was able to connect with and meet the people who, um, who saved him when he got into a, a scrape um, while loading his kayak onto his car. So he was loading the kayak onto his car, Sli the kayak slipped mm -hmm. and hit him in the head. Yeah, so it was a it was a fourteen foot kayak. Um, he had. I have no idea if that's large or small, but it seems large. I mean, that's like two tall people put together. Yeah, that seems like a large kayak. Yeah, so he was on the the Christina River. Um, it was a, apparently a perfect Sunday afternoon, but then, as you said, it slipped, mm -hmm. um, and he was alone. And there were just some other kayakers, passerbys in the area. Good Samaritans, they took it upon themselves to help him. Um, and then he he's a uh, an English teacher at Archmere Academy. Um, so he did what all good English teachers do in writing a nice thank you letter um, and sending it to the editor of the news journal so it would be published. And um, they were able to meet up. So that that is a heartwarming story. And you know, there is much discussion. People from the South think Delaware is full of Yankees and people from the North think that we are part of the South. Um, and I think that it, both are true. Um, and in this case, we definitely had some of that friendly Southern um, hospitality. 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 Southern hospitality came through on this one. So I'm happy to hear that. I think I hear a transition. 
you do hear a transition. So um, we're gonna we're wrapping up here with Danielle. So before we get over to Brian Burnett, our mixologist and bartender here at the Tilton Mansion, um, we're just gonna give you guys a couple things we got coming up as well as the mansion. Actually, Danielle already mentioned Oktoberfest. Um, so again, that's gonna be on Saturday, October fifth. Danielle, what are the times for that? Uh, it starts at noon and it goes until five. And so it's $5 entry fee. And there's gonna be food and beverage for purchase and I'm assuming some live music because yes. what would an Oktoberfest be without live music? Absolutely. So we have that to look forward to. Um, and then my favorite fall activity is always apple day. So going picking and then making applesauce and apple pies and apple and squash sausage bowls and just everything you can think of with apples. Um, and so I'm really hoping to try out some in Delaware places. I've done some Pennsylvania, some Maryland, they're very close, but Pfeiffer Orchards in Camden, Wyoming area of Delaware has been doing really some serious social media marketing, not just for apple season, but kind of the last couple of years. Trying There's to get apple scrapple festival. The apple scrapple um, festival. I think it's next month. Middle we'll make sure month. to post all the details for you guys about Apple Scrapple. Um, and you can wear your Scrapple shirts from Delaware Apparel. Um, if you want to know more about that, you can listen to our episode from August with Jake and Pearson of Delaware Apparel. They're great. I have eaten Scrapple wearing my Scrapple shirt they gave me. <laughs> so definitely check that out. Dee, what do you have coming up? So when I was at the theater um, this past week, <laughs> I had to... <laughs> Um, one of the things that I love to do is flip through um, the, the program and I saw an ad for the different um, First State Ballet Theater performances coming up at the Grand Opera House. Um, one of them which I think is really cool sounding. I won't be able to make it because I'll be out of town for a family wedding which is a totally reasonable excuse. Um, but it's they're doing a performance of Dracula. Um, as a ballet. As a ballet. So that's October 18th through 20th. That's the day of my wedding. October You'll 18th. also be out of town. I'm not attending Danielle's <laughs> wedding. It's just a popular date. Um, but maybe if uh, if you're in town and you like ballet and slash or Dracula or going to the theater, um, you might want to check it out. A lot of things to do. So um, with that, we'll make our transition and go chat with Brian about bartending, cocktails, and mixology. So we're switching gears. We're actually here at the bar, so you're gonna hear some clinking and shaking. Just like that. So we have a little bit of an audience tonight. We have a couple of friends here sipping on some orange ginger Manhattans that Brian just mixed up for them. They say they're very good, so there was fire. There was fire involved. You guys, I have a creme brulee torch, and I feel like I need maybe some supervision with it. Um, but I feel like now I have more uses than just creme brulee because we saw Brian light the orange on fire um, to start off. This is my cocktail list. We have seasonal cocktails, distinctive cocktails, mocktails. These are our seasonal. That would be amazing. Yeah, makes, yes. That makes the podcast more. That's true. <laughs> we, we, have we, have a, we are going to do cocktails. So, so Brian, as we're sitting here ordering cocktails, what would you like recommend? So what's your personal taste? If you can help me that way, I can leave I tend to like red fruity drinks. Okay. Uh, crisp or more of a sweeter finish? Um, tends to be sweeter. Sweeter? Okay. Let's do the hibiscus raspberry martini. That sounds wonderful. Um, so that is going to be down here. So that's a lemonade. Oh, that's a lemonade. Is it on? I don't, is it on your list? It's, that's what it is. It's the hibiscus raspberry lemonade. Martini. Add We're vodka. adding vodka. We're doing the added vodka. It's not just mocktail. So it's going to be lemon juice, lemonade, infused hibiscus, and raspberry nectar, garnished with lemon twist and raspberry and vodka. So that definitely sounds up my alley. I think you'll agree. I like lemony pink That drinks. sounds like your kind of drink. Um, how about you, Dee? What do you think from the, the cocktail list is looking good? Um, I'm, I'm, there are so many options. So I can tell you I, I'm somewhere between like spicy and sweet. Um, not, I don't like it too sweet. Um, okay. I do. Danielle is pointing at the vintage pineapple spice margarita, and I do like a margarita. And that would be right up your alley. So that's going to be spicy, sweet, and um, salt finished with a sea salt foam. 
Okay, a sea salt foam. All right, friends, that sounds like something we've never had before. And, and Danielle, do you have a favorite? You're a more frequent attendee. <laughs> I have had the, this is delicious, the kumquat honey mojito, but I don't want to do the same thing twice. So I think, oh I think I'm gonna do the Negroni sour. Good choice. Yeah. There's basil in that. With gin. With gin? Okay. Yes. So Brian, you came up with all the drinks on the menu? That's correct. And and they're the regular, they're distinctive and they're seasonal. So how do you come up with a seasonal cocktail? So I, I do seasonal upon um, summer, spring, winter, and then I would add distinctive as a very complex cocktail. So I separate the two categories of something that you want seasonal and something that you want very interesting. How long have you been a mixologist? About 12 years. What are the qualifications to be a mixologist? Is it a self-proclaimed or can you be certified? Well, there are a few things. You can definitely be certified, but you need to build confidence and the knowledge of what you're trying to bring to the table. Um, and knowing your guests. That's a good thing about Brian, is he knows what a lot of the members like to drink. So he can see one of them pull up and say, oh, so-and-so's here, they drink this, and the minute they walk in, their drink is here at the bar. Um, even if it's just a lemonade. He knows they like lemonade sitting for them, you know, ready, ready to go. Bar. So, I mean, that it's just that personalized service that you don't get everywhere, which is, you know, what people really like. And he's even named drinks after certain members, um, which they really like too. They feel really special. What, what is, can you give us an example of a, a University of Wisconsin? named drink um so what was it the summer waltz summer waltz yeah so that was named after sandy um what was in that exactly so that was cucumber lemongrass orange and mint infused with vodka so that was very popular she had a party um a few weeks after he introduced that and we'll just say there were many of those ordered at that party So which one are you making right now? So this is the sea salt foam margarita. Okay. And you just put in the foam. Mm -hmm. I anticipated the foam would be a topper, but it went in first. First. So it's gonna float right on top. How does one make sea foam? Is that is that a trade secret? No, it's actually using um, gelatin. Gelatin is another protein you can make a substitution for. Uh, Egg whites. Vegan, so it's vegan egg whites. Interesting. Did you um, did you have a like? Were you interested in food and drink when you were young? Like when you were growing up? Did you have someone in your family who was who inspired you? How did you get here? I've been in business for about twelve years, and I went from a barbacker to a server to a uh, bartender. Then I got real in depth into the actual mixology part and I went to a school called Aqua Vita, meaning water of life. It teaches you the chemistry and methods in mixology. Okay, so I listened to a podcast today. We're podcasters, we listen to a lot of other podcasts called Ologies and they had an episode on mixology and I should probably figure out who that was with. But what I learned was the golden ratio and they said like now I can make any drink at least moderately well and that's doing two parts of your alcohol, one part sour and one part sweet, and every other drink like just stems from that golden ratio. That's Is that correct. true? Well, it's understand the balance. Okay. So once you understand the main um, product or the dominant flavor, and then trying to modify certain flavors to it, then you can tweak it. So for example, um, let's say a margarita. We did a Sings Like Method as a margarita, but we took out the flavor as the uh, triple sec and add to a pineapple and jalapeno. So that is the method of understanding to tweak those flavors to make something different. Gotcha. And we're like, we're getting all the photos for you guys can, so you can see these drinks. We've got great color. It definitely looks like a spicy pineapple 
margarita, and mine is a beautiful pink martini. I think I have a slice of jalapeno and some aloe in mine. That is a um, pineapple. Is a pineapple? Why did I say aloe? Obviously, I don't know. I'm that would have been an interesting a mixologist. <laughs> I think we have a lot more to learn to become mixologists. Even though I'm wearing my little cocktail shirt, I wore it in Brian's honor. It has cocktails all over it. Um, I thought it would be festive. He doesn't seem as amused as I am. <laughs> so how often do you practice making cocktails? It's more just, you know, experimenting. Have you ever made something that you thought was absolutely terrible? Yes. I make sure it doesn't go out before anything else tries. Test everything. Yes. The first time around. What? Um, how do you test? Do you have? I mean, I'm sure Emily and I can volunteer. Like, do you have a group of people that you test cocktails with? Yeah, right we here, remember. looking at them. Sometimes when Brian is practicing from the competition, he'll have three or maybe four different uh, concoctions that he's come up with, and he'll ask us if we want to try them. And then we tell him which one we like and why we like one or the other. And then and do you listen? You, you, and so the one they like you take to competitions. That's correct. I actually So won. let's talk about competitions because I did not know that there were mixology competitions, but oh, maybe yeah. I should have. So tell us about the competition circuit. So I went to, um, trying to think, the um, Sackmore competition in Queens. And we did a full out menu of four different cocktails and members get the chance to rate the best one. And actually I can show you how that how I won it from the very beginning. Show us, we'd love to see. And do you want a beverage or not? Oh yes. We do forgot to order Danielle's drink. Oh, what was the one that I ordered? Um, well you didn't want to get the, the Kumquat Honey Mojito because oh. you'd already gotten that. Oh no, the Negroni with gin. Yes. And that also has foam in it. Oh, does it? Uh, you, you have a oh, agave foam. Mm -hmm. So you have a salt foam, and Danielle's going to have a sugar foam. Did you foam. try your drinks yet? I, I had a few sips. Okay. It is right up my alley. Brian was right. I'm so <laughs> glad I asked his opinion, and he sort of just asked what flavors I like. And it's pink, very Insta-worthy. <laughs> Not That's at all. Well, it's yours? still warm enough. I think we're not headed into fall yet. I do. So um, I'm definitely picking up the sea foam. It like I've had spicy margaritas before, but it doesn't taste like a, like a jalapeno margarita. Right. It's really like it's. I have never had a margarita like this before. Yeah, it's unique. Yeah, definitely. So it's an anniversary glass. What um what is the significance of the date? The 24 to 74. So that was found downstairs. So, so nobody even knew about that. So I brought upstairs to. So it's a it's a secret of the mansion. Exactly. So everyone always asks about where'd you get this from, and I decided to bring it up and we make fun of little cocktail out of it as well. Okay. So that brings me to my question about glassware. How do you choose the right glass for each drink? Right, so there's traditional martini, margarita glasses, etc. But when you're sort of making your own recipe, that kind of thing, how do you determine the right shape? So I'm going to show you the reason why certain glasses are made for certain styles. So back to the competition, this is the glass that I won in the competition. And this glass is meant to use certain styles to make sure it doesn't crack and it has enough weight to capture the smoke. There's smoke involved. You guys, there's smoke involved. I think we are about to see some fire. <laughs> Very excited about this. So this is called the Italian Old Fashioned. The Italian Old Fashioned. So this is a technique uh, called pre-charge. Is that... Oh my gosh, you guys, we're really setting stuff on fire. What, um, what is that? That is bay So what we're doing is we're charring the bay leaf inside the glass. Oh, yeah. So, just, so you set the bay leaf on fire, basically. There was a lot of smoke. There was a little bit of um, crisping. And then you set the glass on top of it. It's a very thick, um, heavy glass, I would say. And now it's just kind of resting on the plate, but there's still some smoke inside of it. So mm -hmm. that smoke will be left. That essence will show up in the drink. We are actually catching all the oils. See everything in the glass? Oh. 
in some essence in the oil. That's correct. All right, all right. So we're going to do a basil bell pepper liqueur that I made. You make your own liqueurs. A basil bell pepper. That was because it's been, I've been kind of With corn bitters and sacramore whiskey, which this is the whiskey that I use to win a competition. Why is that whiskey important? Because this is the promo for the competition that I had to use. It was the secret top ingredient. That's correct. See what you think, if you like whiskey. Ooh, it smells a little smoky. Mm -hmm. I definitely will say it's probably not something I would order, but I really like it. So I think that is the mark of a good mixologist, right? Is that it's maybe not my signature flavors, it's, but it's still it's, a good drink. It's a light and um, earthy cocktail for people that like old fashions. Mm -hmm. If you like Manhattan's or old fashions, it's sort of in that genre. Mm -hmm. what I like it too. So one of the things we were talking about on the car ride over was we were trying to do some research beforehand about what is the most popular cocktail in Delaware. And for some reason, when we were searching this, um, Dogfish Head kept coming up as the answer, even though Dogfish Head is a beer, not a cocktail. They do make... Uh, they do make spirits. spirits. Yes, they do make spirits, and we have Painted Stave as a distillery as well. So we do definitely have some like down home cocktail There's options. There's no signature cocktail for Delaware. Right. So the only cocktail we were able to find is the most popular cocktail according to Google. So the one that people in Delaware are searching, are searching for. Oh, okay. And that was a Tom Collins. Really? You're so old fashioned. I used to drink those. It, when I was a lot younger. <laughs> I don't think that was that long ago. I can't imagine it was that long ago. <laughs> I drank them when I was in college, and I'm a lot older and than what? Chance. <laughs> What's in, in that? I don't even remember. Yeah, so Pennsylvania's is a Long Island iced tea. Interesting, since Long Island is not in Pennsylvania. Right, and New York's is a Moscow Mule. Really? Which Moscow Mule is a very popular, fairly popular one. Mojito, Mimosa, and Whiskey Sour are probably like your top, which I think those are probably your most likely to Google from home, kind of, I want to make this, what goes in it. Um, so were there any other states that had Tom Collins? Yes. Interestingly enough, one of them is Mississippi, which is, um, I don't know if listeners know this, I actually lived in Mississippi until I was five. So I feel so like it's, you. it's my issue. I have done this. Things. I have done this to the great state of Delaware. This Tom it's Collins problem. All Emily's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> Brian, we need to know what's in a Tom Collins. Tom Collins is gin, lemon juice, simple sugar, and club soda. So it's a fairly simple drink. Nothing too equal parts. Equal parts. Gin, simple syrup, lemon juice. And club soda. And club soda. So it's fizzy. One to one to one to one. Yeah. Can you do it with vodka too instead of gin? Or oh yeah, you can do it's a vodka. It's not, it's not a Tom Collins. Then. But then I was going to say, does it get a new name if you use a different alcohol? Tim Collins. Tim Collins. I know it. It's Tommy. Tom Collins came from Tomcat, which we have right there, which is a style of gin. So a Tom Collins. Now, does it have to be made with the Tomcat? style of gin or can you use something else? So you can modify but you, the new name of Tom, uh, Tom Collins came from You gotta use the Tomcat for it to be genuine. Yes. Authentic. Here's a burning question. What do you drink? <laughs> I can drink a lot of things but my personal is spirit by itself. I go for probably tequila. You just like to sip a tequila. Yeah. What kind of tequila? This kind of tequila. That's what I bought for my fiance's cousin. This is a very fancy bottle. That is no joke. So this is called Cassia Azul. This is one of Rose's best tequilas. This is a Reposado. And the best thing about this, this is a bell on top. So every time someone orders a, a tequila, you celebrate it with a bell. So we just had a member tell me I am missing out on the Friday afternoon Indian summer margarita. So, so give us the scoop. Well, this is a great margarita um, that Brian has done. And Brian actually varies his recipe by season. 
So he's got a spring margarita. He has a summer margarita with a slightly different flavor for late summer. And then the winter summer, the margarita, that will really warm you all the way down. A, a winter margarita. Yes. All right, I'm going to say that's pretty special. I think most of us envision ourselves laying on a beach in Mexico. That's what we're trying to recreate with a margarita. But it sounds like a winter margarita. It's well, not meant to do that. No, it's to help fight the snow and the ice and make you feel like you're on the beach. Mm -hmm. But with a little winter flavor to it. And what we do is actually defeat the snow. We bring in ice from outside and then we add the tequila and then that brings it a special. Brian's shaking his head that this is not what they do. This is where, this is Sam pouring it on really deep. Come on, we told you he would do this. So the club is definitely full of some characters. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sam being one of them. Have you seen the stone downstairs? Did they show you that? Where the was the we original? We talked about it earlier. Yes. The table. But have you seen it? I have only seen pictures. I've heard it's like narrow staircases behind some things. You have, you have to sign a waiver before you go down there. And, and now they use it to go ahead and cut the fat off the steaks to keep them leaner. <laughs> I think we're being told tall tales again. No. There is a stone downstairs, I've seen it. Whether they cut steaks on it, I can't attest to that. But I have been down there and I've, and seen, you've seen, I've it. seen the slab. Okay, yeah, so Brian, I have one question for you. Do you pride yourself more on knowing the, all the standard recipes or on the cocktails that you actually design and create? Well, I like to take the standard traditionals and tweak it and make that as my own. So you got to know the recipes and then you got to have a twist. That's correct. How many recipes do you think that you've memorized? Hmm? Uh, that's, that's a tough question right there. Is there an answer? <laughs> um, I can make any kind of cocktails depending on what you want as preference. Depends on flavor and uh, style. Do you, when you're... When yeah, you're making a cocktail that's inspired by someone or, or based on their interest, do you find that you're like led by the ingredients or are you led yeah. by like the character yeah. of the person? Both. Both. Because I want to make sure that you like it and then if you don't like it, I want to make, make sure I can tweak it and make it taste better. If, have you ever designed a cocktail um, like based on yourself? Do you have your like, so what would like your like Brian's signature cocktail? What cocktail defines Brian? It would be a tequila neat by itself. <laughs> he said he likes to sip the the good stuff. What um so one time we we interviewed a couple of fashion bloggers once and we asked them their like go-to advice for you know making any outfit work or you know, you know what, yeah their style advice their so, style advice so I guess we'll kick it to you what's your advice to those who are kind of like amateurs starting to mix at home building up their bars at home what are like the must-haves um must-have is knowing what spirit you like and then understand what the method of the cocktail you're trying to make so for sours is two ounces spirit, three fourths of sweetener, and three fourths of uh, citrus. Then you can move on to a different style of a sour. Then you can tweak it your own. So you, so it's two ounces and three fourths. Three fourths. That's the method of a sour because that is a balance between a sweet and citrus uh, cocktail. So a perfect example of mojito. Mm -hmm. Balance is two ounces of spirit, one fourth of sweetener. Lemon, I mean lime, mint, and you muddle it. But so we're going to do a mojito that we're making fresh mojito, which I'm doing right now. Okay, you are doing that right now. So this is a ginger uh, mojito mocktail from Mr. Reardon, and we're doing a, t a technique called nitrogen cavitation. So we're using nitrogen gas to make the mojito. Nitrogen gas, y'all. So what happened is I infused ginger and mint to make one infusion. And it got, it fizzed up. What was that, what was happening there? Is it, is it, it's the nitrogen gas, right? It's salt, it's, so you didn't have to add like a, a seltzer or anything like that. 
Okay, and I, I do have a question. James Bond likes his martinis shaken, not stirred. And now I need to know, why would you shake a drink versus stirring a drink? Like, what? I'm sure there's a taste difference. That's correct. Where, where the members are telling us there's a difference, we need to know what it is. So when you shake a cocktail, you're actually doing a technical emulsifying two ingredients together. Making sure the sweetener and the acid combine. When you stir, you want to loosen the spirit to make it have some flavor, but at the same time, you're trying to chill. Because when you emulsify, you're going to make it diluted and make it uh, watered down. When you stir it, you're trying to chill it, but at the same time, you want that flavor so it has a vis uh, viscosity that limits back your palate. So that was so much chemistry. Okay, so when he says stir, he's not necessarily meaning taking a spoon and putting it in the cocktail and stirring it. What you need to get him to do is to show you how he stirs his cocktail in the cocktail shaker. Talk about you had made your own basil, bell pepper, uh, liqueur. So tell us more about your brewing because you're not just mixing your brew. Is it well? Is it brewing with that? No. So basically, liqueur is taking a spirit and you're adding a sweetener and flavor um, that what is a liqueur is but when you take a spirit that is distilled so you're, you're taking a base spirit and you're adding flavors to it that is a higher chance of percentage of sweetener which is 15% alcohol and the rest is all sugar so that is considered as a liqueur or a cordial and it looks like they do and you've also been busy putting out all sorts of snacks for people, which we have not gotten, by the way. There we go. <laughs> you guys, it was even better. He didn't even get us a little cup while the whole thing. Um, have, you, uh, have you ever worked behind a different bar? I have. Um, what was that like? Um, I worked at all different types of bars, corporate, family-owned, private. Um, I also do my own catering, so I did all the above. So you're a mixologist for hire? That's correct. Now you know. We'll make sure you guys have all that info. Have you done private parties? Of course. And I assume you do weddings here at the West. I do um, more than just weddings. I'm actually the bar manager, so I do the ordering, do packet sales, I make all the flavors, I do inventory, so I do the whole boat. You're doing everything. What's great though for weddings is, you know, a lot of weddings have the signature cocktails. So, you know, if a bride and groom are like, oh, I want a signature cocktail, I don't really want to know what I want to do, he can help you come up with that and make it super special. So, Has he made a signature cocktail for your wedding? It's funny you bring that up. He so, has not. Um, Gosh, Brian. Gosh, hmm. Brian. I've <laughs> got an opportunity here with Danielle. Well, you're loving, so I, I guess you're going yeah. to Mexico, so you'll need... Jamaica. So you're going to Jamaica. So what, what yeah, is the alcohol of choice in Jamaica? Rum. 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 So you're going to have to have a, a rum signature pot. A rum Manhattan. Well, that could that? be Andrews. What can mine be? <laughs> I think that's the most delicious sea I've ever tasted. It's very salty, but it is very salty. I mean, that is, I guess, the premise of a sea salt foam. It should be salty. Brian, we're ready to wrap up with our last question, which is what is the most popular drink here at the Tilton Mansion? Fish. Will be the Tilton Sass. Okay. What is the Tilton Sass? Is so, it what Dr. Tilton drank? Well, he used to drink rye back in the day. So I have heard that this, the like the classic of this drink, is like the original cocktail. This is where cocktails originated. That's correct. Oh my gosh. So like, really, we're going classic. So uh, Sazerac is brandy and whiskey with uh, Petar bitters. And it has sweetener and uh, a lemon twist. So it is a one-on-one -on -one ratio of a rye and um, brandy that makes the cover the sweetness. And then you have citrus bitters, a little bit of sweetness as an old-fashioned style. Mm -hmm. And that's like your most popular drink. It's like a fairly classic. I use Benedictine, brandy, chartreuse, and um, Michter's rye. Okay, so we, we've taken up a notch. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Michter's Rye is actually a traditional whiskey that George Washington used to drink 
back in, in 1753. And as we learned earlier, George Washington was a close friend, or at least moderately close friend, of Dr. Tilton. So very, very fitting that that's the, the beverage of choice here at the Tilton Mansion. That's correct. We're going to wrap up here. I just want to say a big thank you to Brian and to Danielle from University of Wisconsin Club, who gave us all the background on mixology, bartending, the Tilton Mansion, and some great Wilmington history. And all our new friends at the bar. Yes, thanks to all of our favorite UNW Club members. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and The Della Darling on Facebook.